in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, amen. Today's gospel um, is preceded by a psalm, um, as always. Um, and the psalm is actually really beautiful. Um, and it has a particular context that's going to unlock for us maybe the, the special context in which God wants us to understand the reading today. Today's gospel is from, taken from the Gospel of St. Luke and tells a story which is present in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, and not in, present in the Gospel of John. Um, and today's gospel is a story that if you have been to church um, at least a few times, you've probably heard it. It's, it. it's an unusual story. It's the kind of thing that would kind of stick out in your memory. Were you to experience it or were you just to hear the story that Jesus was in the house and the place was packed to the rafters, literally, um, and they wanted to bring into him someone who was, the, the word that the scripture uses, crippled, um, so paralyzed or unable to walk, um, and uh, they couldn't bring him in because there was just so many people and he was probably on a stretcher and they, they couldn't get him through the door and maybe they tried a window or something, they just couldn't get him couldn't get him in so what they did is they climbed up on the roof brought him up on the roof with some rope opened the tiling off the roof and let him down right in front of Jesus and Jesus healed him um, and that's in broad strokes the gospel and it's if like I said if you've been to church at least a handful of times you've probably heard this story and I probably didn't tell you anything that you didn't know what's present in the gospel of Luke which is not present in any other gospel and this is from Luke 5 is it says and the and the power of the Lord was present to heal them and that that phrase when this gospel is recorded in the other um, in the other uh, gospel writers Matthew and Mark is that phrase is not there and I want I want you to uh, accept an initial premise right now an initial statement right now for the purposes of our conversation okay I want you to accept something just for the purposes of our conversation that the power of the Lord is present to heal all the time. That the power of the Lord is present to heal right now. That the power of the Lord is present to heal in this moment. Let's think about this for just a second. What does it mean that this man was paralyzed? It means that he couldn't walk. Okay, what does that mean? What does it mean that you cannot walk? Can you talk? Yes. Can you articulate your thoughts? Most likely. Can you feed yourself? Yes. What does it mean that he can't walk? It means that he can't, he can't carry himself from one place to another. So what? Why would somebody want to go from one place to another? Why not stay put? Well, Father John, the answer is obvious, right? If I were to stay home forever, I wouldn't collect a paycheck. I wouldn't get an education. I wouldn't, I wouldn't what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any progress. 
Our feet are what carry us and allow us to move, to move from one position to the next. This man had arrested. He had stopped. The progress, the progress had stopped. We live in a city here that worships progress. You know, I've, I've, I've had the blessing and opportunity to live in many different places. And in every, in every town, in every place, you know, in olden days, every country had their own God. I'm convinced every city has their own God now. And the God of Toronto is progress. You know, if you're working, when are you going to get a promotion? And you get the promotion, when are you going to get the next one? And in your personal life, and in your this, and when are you going to buy property? And when are you going to this? And if you buy a property, when are you going to sell it and get a bigger one? And everything is about the next rung on the ladder. And I'm not against in any way us being ambitious. In fact, St. Paul writes about holy ambition in Philippians chapter 2. And there's no, there's no problem with that. But at a certain point, something which is good can become when it, it, it's, it's taken to an extreme, can become unhealthy. And this man had been arrested. He had stopped. He couldn't move. His friends could move him, and they did. His friends could bring him closer to Jesus, and they did. And that's not the topic of today. This story is a beautiful story, full, it's like a happy story, you know what I mean? But if we read between the lines, we find that it's, it's not all happy, right? There's some, bitter, there's some bitterness in there. There's some sadness in there. There's some unmet expectations and dissatisfaction in there. And if we go to the psalm, we'll find that the psalm tells us. Says The psalm says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Oh, that sounds pretty happy, Father John. What are you talking about? Sadness and bitterness. Which psalm is this? This is Psalm 13 or Psalm 12 in, in the Bible, in, in the Igbeya, right? In the, in, the, in, in the prayer book, the hours, the prayer book of the hours, or the old numbering, right? Whatever, 12, 13, right? How does this psalm start? It starts with, How long, O Lord, will I wait for you forever? How long will you cast me off? It starts with, my soul is disquieted within me. My soul is crushed within me. How long will you leave me, O Lord? It ends with, there's like, in, in most of the Psalms that start in, in pain, you'll find a, a, a turning point. You'll find a point where things change, where things turn. The inflection point is verse 5. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And the last verse, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So he starts off with being crushed, being broken. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? If you want to find it in the little prayer books in front of you, it'll be Psalm 12 in the morning prayer, the prime prayer. He starts with, how long, O Lord, how long this crippled man is saying this, this paralyzed man, this paraplegic man is saying, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, O Lord, will I be lying here unable, unable to move forward in, a, in, in, in the right direction, in a positive direction? How long, O Lord, will you leave me here? And he finishes... He finishes this gospel saying, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me, just like the psalm. You know what my problem is? My problem is, is that 
that when I get into a problem of any description, I don't know how it's going to get solved. At this point in my life, and I wasn't always like this, I've become fully convinced that I end up getting out of any pickle that I get myself into. Let me be more blunt, God gets me out of any pickle I get myself into. I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced of that. You may or may not be convinced, and that's okay. But even though I'm convinced, you know, to me, it's kind of like watching Rocky II. You know, I, I'm dating myself here, right? There was this movie series from like the late 80s and 90s or something with Sylvester Stallone. Rocky, okay, he's a boxer. In Rocky II, he gets beaten to a pulp by this Russian guy, and you're certain that the Russian guy is just going to kill him. But there's like Rocky 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7. So you know he's not going to die. Because like, like, you know, the resurrection exists in like the Christian story. But like in Rocky, they're not going to have like, he's not going to die and come back from the dead, right? So you know he's not going to die because you know there's more to the story. I know there's more to my story. But when I get myself into a problem, or when I get myself in a problem, or I find myself in a problem, or somebody else gets me in a problem, or whatever, when I'm in the thick of it, I have no idea how I'm going to get out. And that is very troubling. That is psychologically painful. That is anxiogenic. That is, you, you name it. You can put your feeling on that. I was sharing with a, a friend of mine that... Um, when I was uh, back in my previous life, when I was working as a doctor and I had to be on call. And when I was just a new doctor and I was newly on call, they'd call me about stuff and, it, and being on call was so painful. And then about halfway through my second year, so I'd like been a doctor now for a year and a half, I didn't find it painful anymore. I just found it a pain in the butt that I couldn't do the things that I want to do. I want, I want to go out with my friends. I want to have fun. I want to this, I want to that, right? And it's just exhausting and you're up all night and you work the next day and you come home after 36 hours and you're finished. So that's two days of your life gone, the one you were working and the one that you're too exhausted to do anything meaningful in, right? And it just became work. And I asked myself, what changed between it being so painful and then, then it just becoming work? What changed is that I was no longer full of anxiety and worry and, and when I would get called, when my pager would go off, back then in the day we had pagers, I don't know, I still use pagers, probably they do. The medical world is always like 200 years behind the rest of the universe, right? Right? Your, my pager would go off, you'd be like, ah! You know, like it was like a bomb, you know, that just set off at your waist, you know, because, because I'm going to get asked something and I'm supposed to know the answer and I don't, right? So it was, it was terrifying. And then I'd read and I'd call my senior and my senior would explain to me and this and that, right? But I mean, after a year and a half of that, once every four, once every three days, once every four days, you know, I covered like the majority of things that you could get called about, right? And after a while, they'd call me and say, oh yeah, for this, we're just going to do this and this and that and that and so on and so on, right? Oh, for this and this and so on, right? It's, it's the not knowing what to do with something. Like if you look at the, the things on your to-do list for this week or your task list for the day, the one which is the most painful is the one that you don't know what to do anything about. I'm convinced I'm a hard worker, okay? But I'm convinced that I'm not special. I'm convinced that most people are willing 
to work hard. I think I know too many people who are just extremely lazy, right? I think what, what stumps us and keeps us from getting stuff done, or maybe I'm projecting, right? But what stumps me and gets, prevents me from, is the stuff I don't know what to do about it, right? So when I look at it and I don't know, I don't know what to do about it, I'm willing to work hard to solve it, but I don't know what to do about it. That freaks me out. This guy was paralyzed for God knows how long. And what you gonna do about a man who's paralyzed? I don't know. He has a problem and we don't have a solution for it. So it's painful. But the, the good news, the good news, the message of today is that Jesus knows. Jesus knows. My youngest daughter is eight months old now. Eight months and a half. When she poos herself, oh my goodness, she gets so disgusted. She just screams. She just hates poo. I can probably guess, if I ask for a show of hands, how many people here hate poo, most of you will put your hands up as well, right? But when she poos herself, like, she freaks out. I don't freak out, I just change her. I don't even find it disgusting. Why? Because, you know what, like, let's not make meat and potatoes out of this, pardon the pun, you know, let's just, let's just change her, you know, just wipe, 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 da-da-da, new diaper off to the races, right? And that was my attitude when it's not my children, you know? I worked with babies for years, right? You're examining them, this and that, and they poo all over the bed, oh, just change it, just change the bed, just change everything, you know what I mean? That's it, next, right? It's no big deal. Why? Because we know what to do with it, right? But when I poo myself, I'm like Zoe. I freak out, because I, I don't know what to do. But my Heavenly Father, the message today is that your Heavenly Father, He knows what to do. That's why He's not freaking out. And you know what? When you freak out, when Zoe freaks out, when she poos herself, it's actually kind of cute. It's actually kind of cute. And it's okay. And it's what draws my attention to her to go and change her. Otherwise, she plays happily. And I would just assume that everything was okay. So it's okay if you freak out when you find yourself failing to progress and you find things broken and you find things not working it's okay it's okay if you freak out and you scream to your heavenly father it's okay because he knows what to do he knows what to do he knows he knows what to do with it and your experience is similar to the rest of all of humanity when we land ourselves, when we will get landed in a situation and we don't know what to do, it freaks us out. That's okay. St. Paul and St. Barnabas in the proxies today, in the Acts reading today, are journeying and they go to Lystra. They go to Lystra, a town they've never been there before, and they start preaching. The town they were in before, the Jews tried to kill St. Paul, so he fled to Lystra. So they start preaching there, and then there was a man who was crippled and they heal him. And so the people rejoice and they start trying to worship them. So St. Paul tells them, no, 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 don't worship us. Don't worship us, worship God, the living God, and so on, right? Then the Jews who are in the other city come to Lystra and incite them and tell them and, 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 and raise up a mob in Lystra that St. Paul's a bad guy. So what do they do? They stone him. One minute they were praising him, next minute they stone him. 
Like I've gotten myself into many pickles, but I've never been stoned yet. Right? They leave him for dead. The disciples just collect him, collect the pieces and bring him back into the city. And he comes back. Whether he was dead and he was, came back to life, God brought him back to life. Or whether he was just appearing as dead, we don't know. Whether they say, they say maybe this is the time that his soul went to the third heaven and so on, which he talks about in 2 Corinthians, we don't know. But anyways, that's besides the point. St. Paul comes to... And he says to them, a phrase which behooves you and me to remember as much as we remember for so much God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and so on. As much as we remember, I will never leave you nor forsake you. As much as we remember all of these beautiful verses, as much as we should remember this verse, Acts 14.22, for by many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of heaven. This dude just got stoned. When he's talking about tribulations, he's not talking about a bad hair day. He just got stoned. That's what he's talking about. You want to enter the kingdom? There's going to be some bumps along the road. There's going to be some failure to progress. There's going to be some, there's going to be some stuff which seems nuts to you. That's okay. And you don't know what to do about it and you're totally freaking out that's okay freak out don't worry about it it's okay and my older daughter will kick and scream right and stomp on my feet right that's okay i'm her daddy i can i can i can handle it i can handle it that's okay because your heavenly father who has your whole life planned in his hand who has made you for glory, to share with him in his eternal glory, knows what's going on and he's got it all under control. Glory be to God forever and ever. I have sinned, forgive me. My fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, please pray for me.